Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Juliette Televi, and joining me to take your questions this evening are Graham Kerner from Kerner Perspective and Willem Oldewacher from Nitrogen Fund Managers. If you'd like to send those questions to us, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Willem, Graham, good evening to you both. Um, Graham, if I may start with you, it was... An okay day for the market today. You had the also rallying about half a percent. You had um, quite a few stocks that I suppose are exposed to the Chinese economy and the China opening story doing particularly well. And there was a bit of recovery in the banks, but not enough to counter what happened last week. Um, but, you know, if we had to take our politics, our toxic politics out of the equation, do you think we'd have had a better day than we did? <clears throat> Yeah, I think the the short answer is we would have had a better day. But I think, uh, Julieta, the you know the rand was up. Let's call it about a percent. Um, of course, some of the some of the headwinds for our market came in the form of the the global listed. So, I think a bit of the sort of flight to to more defensive counters like Anheuser Busch and maybe even Richmond, because you know they do have a lot of cash and bats. You've seen that unraveling. Um, that, together with a, a bit of RAND strength, I think, took a little bit of the wind out of the the, the, the JSE top 40 sales. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, APSA's, I think they closed at 191.5 or thereabouts. They were well over 200 before the, you know, the Palapala fiasco uh, broke. So my best guess is that the the interest would not be so much in APSA and those those counters. So... Um, I think we're just slowly, you know, we're clawing our way back um, to the the pre-Palapala levels in the big banks, the, the local economy stocks. But lots of volatility, lots of noise, I think, in um, in some of those that are more geared to the global economy as well as the rent edges. But, yeah, it's let's let's be honest. Late last week was uh, not something we needed in, in our lives. Um, <laughs> no. you know, it's it's been it's been a, a really torrid five years, and that was one thing we really didn't need. But you know what? As I said to somebody the other day, if if there was a, a gold medal to be awarded for getting up off the canvas, South African equity investors would be gold medalists time and again. But um, yeah, it really is becoming a bit tiring. Yeah, 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 very tiresome indeed. Um, Willem, having said all that, and yes, we have uh, we have um, got up and dusted ourselves off. Uh, would you look at uh, what happened to the banks and uh, and then today's action and think actually it would be quite an opportune time to buy banking stocks in South Africa? Or do you think, mm, okay, well, if there's another oh, horrible shock, you know, <laughs> Didi Mabuza becomes uh, <laughs> the Pumalunga um, uh, would uh, alleged criminal mastermind becomes our president, then these things are just going to get slaughtered again. So better not risk it. Is that really what's going through people's minds? <clears throat> yes, I think um, <clears throat> the original what's now known as Farmgate scandal um, erupted out of like sensationalist journalism. So I think we all knew about Paula Paula and we all know that the ANC is corrupt. So I think most JC investors price that into the, the bank's prices when they invest. So I thought the day the news broke was the absolute opportune time to invest in South African banks, mainly because of the sort of net interest income line. So we're still raising heights, still hiking rates, sorry. <laughs> um, and uh, the net interest income for the banks is going to keep on improving. So um, I won't spoil my stock pick, but I do think it's a good time to get in. Um, they've been incredibly strong. 
Um, it's the best performing sector I think maybe some minds have caught up, but um, before the best performing sector on the JC this year, and I think um, the sort of fundamentals back that up. So yes, mm. definitely a chance to sort of um, bottom pick. Mm. I mean, Graham, do you agree there? <clears throat> Well, Juliet, I mean, I think our, our biggest holdings in our client portfolios are in the big banks. So, you know, I would agree with what Willem has said, but, you know, the value story and the, you know, the low PEs and the restoration of income statements, particularly balance sheets have never really been a problem for South African banks. That's been around for some time. So yeah. I agree, you know, when when uh, ABSA lost, let's call it 10% in a day, uh, gave a unique opportunity. Um, but, I, I, yeah. We've been sort of up to our eyeballs in big banks for a while. So unfortunately, we really couldn't add many more. But I would agree with Willem. I think uh, good good valuations, great balance sheets. And, um, you know, if we get a, you know, if we, if we move on to the gray list, I would argue that's probably also in large part priced in. So I think that's the one, the one you know, real risk, um, I think, for, for the next few months, aside, of course, for an elective conference and a, yeah, a revolving chair in, in the hot seat. So other than that, I think um, there's, there's a great story for South African banks. In fact, you can buy any one of them, even Investec. Um, you know, they delivered a lovely turnaround. Um, mm. So, yes, I would agree with Willem. Mm. What, but uh, what about any of the uh, companies that came out with results today? And actually, there were a surprising number of them. I mean, Willem, you had... So, I mean, we could talk about the good, bad and the ugly. Uh, the good being, I guess, Signia. Alex Forbes wasn't bad. I mean, Nampak, hmm, Theresa was pretty good. Mm. I don't know if you had a look at any of those, um, but both Signia and Alex Forbes being quite generous with their dividends, even though in Signia's case, assets under management fell, and in Alex Forbes' case, there was, uh, I can't remember what happened to their headline earnings, but they were certainly more, more generous with the dividends than the, the actual earnings and revenue statements would suggest. Yes, so, so both of those stocks had sort of reduced earnings. I think that follows on from um, 91 and Coronation, just because of the market being pretty poor. So obviously performance fees have shrunk. Um, these businesses are great. I really like asset managers. I think I, I, I say that often. You sort of get a lot of beta upside and very little of the downside. So you've got this massive base of uh, management fees. And if the market does well, they, they earn performance fees. So um, I think it's a great time to invest in them now. We also sort of hold a decent amount of sort of long exposure in, in asset management. And I think it just makes sense, especially now with sort of people talking about like Fed tapering or inflation peaking or whatever you want to call it, uh, sort of at the turn of the market, you sort of get the full call option on, on the, the market itself. And there's more than sort of a one beta. So you get the, the asset managers perform better than the stock market when the stock market does well. So I think it's a great place to be. They're generally very safe. They, they have high yields in South Africa. Mm. And um, the results aren't bad. Like this year's results, yeah. to, be, to be honest, some of the, the asset managers are down 20, 30% and the results are only down 10. So, I mean, relatively, it's a, it's a pretty good time to, to buy these stocks. And I would definitely sort of recommend having them in a portfolio, yes. So are there any particular, I mean, you say you've uh, referred to them, I mean, on the basis of Signia and Alex Forbes coming out with numbers, and, and we've had Coronation, we've had 91. So having surveyed the landscape, and I suppose also PSG Consult, although I wouldn't say PSG Consult is as cheap as the others because they didn't <laughs> decline to the same extent that, uh, that the others have. I mean, do you have a favorite now from this kind of basket? Yes, so, so definitely Coronation. I think they're, they're by far the highest yield and the highest forward yield. And then um, I think they, they were hit quite hard with their sort of emerging market exposure this year. 
Um, so I think that's, that's by far the, the highest yield. Of it. And it's cheap. I think it's, it's easily yielding 12, 13% forward with a forward P of 7 or 8. And then I do like PSG Consult, but I agree that it's not necessarily an asset manager. It's more sort of a, a wholesale sort of financial service provider with um, uh, financial advice and insurance and all of that involved. Yeah. But those two, I think, are pretty good. I think KST has also done fairly well from their unbundling. So I think maybe that would have been the time. To buy. I wouldn't buy it now, but I think it's a good business. So, yeah. so those two definitely, yes. Graham, how about you? I mean, you've got a smorgasbord of options um, for asset management companies in the JSC. Um, you know, there's some sectors that have quite a lot of options. Uh, so, uh, so asset management or financial services, uh, food groups, uh, we could talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, um, on the basis of what you saw today, uh, are there any particular shares um, that you like? Yeah, look, I think, I think Signia is the is very much the the asset accumulator in the lower fee space. Um, but it's easy speaking after Willem because I can just say, yeah, I agree with Willem. I think uh, Coronation and 91 are, you know, they, 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 they've got relatively fixed cost, cost bases. Um, obviously, you know, performance bonuses and that um, will vary. But, uh, you know, if the market goes up, you know, 10% and their AUM and their fees go up 10%, it has a massive you know, just really drops to the bottom line or large part. Um, as Willem said, you know, they're looking cheap. The dividend yields are there and, um, and the very, very low capex businesses. I, I like both 91 and Coronation here. Um, I think Alex Forbes is a different beast. It's, it's mainly an asset uh, consultant, employee benefits uh, kind of administrator. We are, strangely get Alex Forbes exposure through African Rainbow Capital um, because they obviously have a, a reasonable holding in there. And people might say, but you're too diluted through through rain and uh, time bank. But the reality is, um, you know, a lot of people don't put the valuation that management do onto onto rain, for example. So you can say, well, then it's a bigger part of the NAV. So I think okay. I think I would probably, if you're looking at Alex Forbes, I, I, I would seriously consider doing it through through AIL. And then, as I say, Signia is is the is the when I say new kid on the block, they've already accumulated massive AUM. I personally think though that, and I'm not saying this because you know we're second-hand share dealers and we believe our <laughs> nonsense but i i do believe that the the case for active management you've seen it in the last while we were talking about the big bank, bank's performance let's say on a, a year-to-date versus the market okay even after the the fiasco that was last week i think there's a case to be made for for active so i think um you know that incredible growth we've seen in passive where signia obviously has been very very successful and rightly so i think that you'll find that 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 you might find people maybe allocating capital back to active strategies maybe not right now but i think in in a year's time so i think uh coronation 91 really look as willem said you know the the risks i believe are asymmetrically on the upside for you mm. i can't see okay. the markets getting pounding awfully much more both of them have got significant offshore um okay. aum 91 maybe a little bit more so yeah, I think both of those look good, and then the others you can you can add if you specifically like them. But I probably wouldn't buy three asset managers yeah, or financial services companies. Okay, uh, and then a quick question before the break, uh, which maybe we discuss, uh, um, Willem. Um, despite very favourable interim results recently, why has Robex fallen twenty percent in the past two weeks? If we talk about, uh, you know, we're talking about the small, medium cap sector of the JSE. Um, any idea why is it? Do you think it's um, 
sort of news from Senral <coughs> that Senral seems to be in now again in a mess, allocating chi tenders to Chinese companies rather mm. than South African firms. Do you think that's maybe had an impact? Yeah, I think they sort of portfolio of little sort of construction companies and um, whatever they sort of have forgotten now what they do, like just the little, um, mm. I think of the, the tar company and the little sort of um, engineering business. I think some of it's just the RAND, and I think the rest of it's the fact that it was a small cap stock that ran past its um, fair valuation. So um, that's the, the, the simplest, most accurate answer I can give on that. Okay. Um, Graham, would you concur or do you think there's some other factors there? Because it has been a precipitous decline. Yeah, look, I mean, the South African construction sector, if you look at the listeds, it's just like a, you know, a burial ground. It's it's pretty yeah. morbid. So I think I think that in large part is it. I think the 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 decision that Sanrail is going to be allocating to Chinese contractors really didn't help because I think people are not just looking at one or two contracts. It's, they might be saying, well, this is a new political wind or, uh, and I think Robex is very much in the road space. Um, yeah, but if you if you believe the forecasts, this thing is ridiculously uh, is ridiculously cheap. But it, you know, investors are so scared of South African construction stocks, particularly with what we've seen, you know, in in Wilson Bailey and Oz and in Murray and Roberts, for example, and the inability to offload uh, cloth, for example. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I mean, Graham was talking about cloth and Murray and Roberts now being unable to sell cloth, so it's had to put it under. Uh, voluntary um, administration in, in Australia, which it does say is a it's quite a nimble process, um, but obviously the share price slumping today, twenty one percent. What did you make of that? And do you think Marion Roberts is now uninvestable? Or um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's terrible to see this happening. Yeah, so I think it's, it's probably a good time to invest in it. <clears throat> the cloth deal only came out about a month ago, and um, the, the share price rallied on that. So I think the fact that it came down was just a, a simple repricing to back to, to where we were. And then, um, I mean, just talking about construction companies, all of the ones we were talking about, it looks like deals are sort of business, um, which probably means business isn't going that well. So. Um, if you like the idea of a construction company, which I personally really don't, especially in the sort of current sort of uncertain, at least sort of geopolitical landscape, um, that is maybe not the, not the worst buy. But um, the fact that the deal fell through wasn't that much of a surprise. I think, I think so many of these deals price in fully always on the first piece of news. ABI with Pepsi, Company Telcom with MTN, this deal with Cloth. It's, it's such a like, common experience that they sort of reprice as soon as the sort of um, I guess the rumor becomes a fact. So, um, yeah, from my side, I think the fact that it fell was probably fair. And if you like it, you should still like it. But um, in mm. general, I don't think it's a, it's a great year to invest in. Okay. Graham, how about you? Yeah, well, I think, you know, generally we are we're cowards. So, um, <laughs> we, you know, if you think about construction and, and, and as, you know, it means we're not being flippant. It, it really has ever since, uh, let's say five years ago, it's, it's been awful. We've, we've just lost um, quite a few of the old doyens of, of the South African construction sector. And even those who, who would be our preferred pick and a company that we thought, you know, was, uh, was sort of immune to this being Wilson Bailey themselves obviously had issues in Western Australia. And you're talking about, you know, the rescue process and trying to put the, you know, the fire breaks around that. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, so I think what I'm saying is is uh, the market, whether it's Robex or Murray and Roberts, is telling us a story. Um, you know, the, the the government is not kicking, kickstarting these mega projects. Sanrel's reallocating tenders or allocating tenders to to um, to foreigners. So, um, you know, my view is it's a very very opaque world. If you want to play there. Um, I think in large part, the bad news is behind Wilson Bailey. They've made their provisions. We know what it is. You know, so as a coward, I'd probably go and, and, and pick that one. But I think what Willem is, is saying is probably right. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got appetite for it and you're prepared to sit close to the door, um, you know, I think whether it's Robex or Murray's or both of them, if you've got risk appetite for that and you, you know, you're prepared to watch it very closely and, and be diligent if you get it wrong, then maybe there's a story there, but I would rather um, go and play in something like Wilson Bailey, where I think it's a little bit more balanced and a little lower risk. Yeah, okay. I, I'm with you in the, the, the cowardice uh, front. Um, and then a question with uh, stocks, uh, three um, oh, stocks and equi- um, securities that uh, are to consider. What's the panel's view on Exaro, SA Government Bonds and Glencore? Um, Willem, um, all three of which have had a phenomenal year, actually, um, I suppose until Friday for uh, South African government bonds. But Glencore and Exara both have had a really stellar year. Are these stocks that you would hang on to if you manage to catch that wave or alternatively buy into now? What do you think? I think the coward theme is great. Um, <laughs> Glencore and Exara had a lot of coal and um, they rallied with energy prices globally. So I'd be very afraid to buy a stock that sort of you sort of, I just, I just think you're late to the party. If you were in it, I think you did very well. And I think I would consider selling. I always hear the story about portfolio managers saying something about you can choose the price you buy an asset at, but you can't choose the price you sell it at. But um, my personal opinion is that you have exactly the same influence on both. So I would sell it now. <laughs> the price is on the screen. So I would, um, I would take my cold profits. And, um, and then just quickly on government bonds. I think it depends on it depends on so many things. If you want an income-producing asset, they still pay incredibly well. Something like an SA like SA retail savings bond, you don't actually see the um, you lock yourself in for ten or five years, or whatever. So you don't really see the capital uh, growing and shrinking, even though it was an absolute disaster for those who do on on uh, Thursday and Friday. Mm. So you'll still see your either CPI linked or just a sort of locked-in interest rate of 10, 11, 12 percent, depending on the the maturity. So personally, out of those three, I'd say go for government bonds. Okay. All right. Um, Graham, how about you? So, um, and uh, I mean, I, I, Willem, I'm assuming that you have the same thoughts on Exaro because it had a similarly, you know, this is similarly sort of practically single stock com- commodity that does have an iron ore exposure with its cumber stake. Um, Graham, would you prefer government bonds over the other two? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat what I said, what he said, you know, <laughs> I think... Um, I think government bonds, but I'd, I'd probably sit on the shorter end of the curve because you get a nice yield pickup on cash, uh, but you're not taking a lot of um, a lot of duration risk. So, you know, sort of five to ten years is probably the right place because you get a nice pickup, but you're not massively exposed to capital losses because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, we were talking about an elective conference in a couple of weeks' time, not even. You know, who knows what comes out of there? What mm. what policies become adopted? So, I think. Um, and there's a lot of pressure uh, from a, a wage point of view um, there. But I would agree. I think, um, you know, Exaro, the price is low. Uh, we need coal. Um, and many countries around the world need coal. The yield is, is phenomenal. 
Um, but I think it's a it's a, lo- a longer term. You, you've got to say it's very much in a sunset phase. It's going to become increasingly difficult. Glencore is not a business I've ever really liked, frankly. I know a lot of people say, well, the commodity trading de-risks it from a commodities point of view. You know, ultimately, I think a lot of global markets, and I would imagine resources as well, are going to become disintermediated. So, um, you know, I was looking at BHP earlier today, and and when you look at the the quality of businesses, you look at the, you know, the incredible cash generation, the margins through the cycles, you know, I can't imagine why you would go out and buy um, Glencore over that personally, but... um, yeah, so I think, and 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 Exara is just too too uh, obviously too coal focused. So I think okay. generally I would I would agree in bonds, but I don't think you're going to importantly um, you're not going to see I think much capital appreciation. You know, so if you take a ten year, you look there now they're sitting ten and a half. Let's call it. You know, where do you expect it to go to? Do you think it's going to go back to eight? I, I really can't see that happening because I think um, okay. inflation is not going to collapse but it's going to trend lower but it's not going to move fast enough and i think there are some some political headwinds as well so what i'm saying is you're going to get a yield pickup and you might get a little bit of capital appreciation but you're not going to get much okay all right then um in the absence of questions um can i ask you about the two companies who are having to undergo rights offers nampac and york um so um if i could start with um, nampac um Willem, you know they came out with results today uh, so there was growth in revenue, which I suppose is ironically one of the problems because they have it's chewed up working capital. Um, and of course, uh, last week they announced this this rights offer up to two billion rand that they've got to raise. Shares falling another eight and a half percent today. If you were a NAMPAC shareholder, would you follow your rights, or alternatively, would you come into the company now and think, okay, well, you know, I've got a shot at doing okay here. Maybe you know, maybe this does resuscitate the company. What do you think? Yes. So I think the fact that they proposed the rights offer means they probably got backing from the larger shareholders. So with that in mind, I think, um, unfortunately, you're kind of in it for the long term. Either you have to take a capital loss now, or you have to believe, believe that they can turn it around. Historically, the companies with rights offers, they did do very well in the period, sort of, let's say, six to 12 months afterwards, before it sort of starts going bad again. So if you're, if you're looking at it from a, from a personal investor point of view, um, Rights offers are a great point, especially if you're not in the company. I think it takes a lot of research and you have to, to fully understand exactly what you're doing. But oftentimes you can get a fairly deeply discounted sort of entry point. And if you're in it, you probably believe in it. And, and I think it's probably a very small select sort of 10 shareholders and a few, and then a long list of sort of a tail of, sort of odd lots. I think it is worth following your rights. They'll be cheap. You know, the, the dilutive effect will be will be such that if you don't take them, you're kind of throwing them away. You can always sell them in the market. I'm sure they'll trade for a week or two, but um, generally you have to do that at a discount. Yeah. So um, okay. if you're very set, you can trade the rights against the stock. But um, for, for most people, if you are an AMPAC holder, um, it's probably the best idea if you're in it at the point, if you didn't see the rights of it coming. I think it was fairly clear. I think actually we spoke about yeah. this six months ago and they were mentioning the covenants and they were mentioning the fact that maybe they might have to do something. And even though... I had a quick look through it today. Yeah. They, um, they're still meeting their covenants, but um, they always just want them to sort of mention something about a going concern, which is very concerning. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm the cheek, um, sort of for the company's future health. But, but in general, I find rights offers to be a good opportunity sort of for savvy investors or, or savvy traders. Okay, well, let's talk to another savvy investor here. And I'm going to ask you about York, um, Graham, because this is a company that you followed quite closely. Uh, it's quite interesting yeah. the reasons that they've given for the rights offer, and it's not. it doesn't seem to be... Uh, 
like a crisis cat call. This is, seems to be a, I mean, okay, well, I, I don't know. What did you think of it and the price at which they've made it, set it? Um, I think what Willem said is right. You know, if you don't, if you're in a stock and you don't follow your rights when they, when they put the, the, the stock away at a 40% discount, then you say, well, what are you doing in the share anyway? So I, I'll start with that. Um, in the case of, of York, um, you know, at, at, at the, with the last results, they did a bit of a song and dance about the fact that they need to extend the harvesting period from 20 to 23, although, you know, I understood that some of the new hybrids, the whole point behind all of that were, was to actually shorten the, the harvesting uh, period. Yeah. So that, I found that, that all a little bit bemusing, but will yield to their superior knowledge in terms <laughs> of the additional income per, per log. But I, I found the, the whole story a little bit bemusing, quite frankly. And obviously there's some um, activist shareholders who've got involved. Um, the IDC obviously is a big shareholder there. And being a cynic, I was asking myself if this isn't a really clever way of say, sort of taking yourself from 22% to 35% because they are underwriting. Mm. Um, but I think they've done a good job. Um, I think they're very capable people. Um, I, I asked the question at the results presentation whether there, it wasn't a waste of good money staying listed yeah. considering how illiquid it is. Uh, so I think the, the short answer is I still like York. Unfortunately, okay. the... The, the rights issue is going to dilute the NAV, but um, I, I think the, the narrative is still good. It okay. just maybe de defers the payback a little bit further, but it's it's still a well-placed business with lots of, in, uh, in, you know, good merits uh, for yeah. investment. Okay. I'm sorry, that's eaten up our sort of stock uh, pick time, so I have to ask you to fire them at me very quickly. Apologies uh, so that you can't. Um, Willem, what would you be buying? <clears throat> Luckily, we spoke about this earlier. I'm going to pick Absa for sort of all the reasons we mentioned. Um, I think this whole farm gate thing was, was exaggerated. Um, all the risks are, are generally priced in. You're getting a high quality asset with strong balance sheets, good earnings growth at a decent price, and um, actually like the, the only chance in the last sort of two, three months to get in. So I would take that chance. Okay, great. Uh, Graham, how about you? I'm going to go with Cup. Um, you know, if you look at the last results, 75 cents, we didn't think they would improve that in this current year. Uh, but even so, you know, even if it's 70 cents, 65 cents, phenomenally cheap, strongly cash generative, well run. And I think some of those businesses that suffered under COVID are now going to start making a contribution as Safripol maybe just sort of steps back. So I think, uh, yeah, very well run, good cash generation. Uh, I think it's a good business, better than people give it credit for. Okay, great. Sorry to curtail you dead there, and thanks very much for your insights this evening. Nice to chat to you both. Um, Graham Kerner is from Kerner Perspective. Willem Olderwacher is from Nitrogen Fund Managers, and Zanati's back with Stockwatch tomorrow night. Have a good evening. <laughs>